Today on Ag News Daily. That's why we just recently announced that we are uh, selecting the first cohort of 20 leaders from animal agriculture to come together for the advanced training for animal agriculture leaders that, like I said, will begin in 2020. Good afternoon and welcome to a Friday episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. There are big things going on today, Delaney. Oh, like what, Ashton? Tell me. Well, I don't know if you're a Taylor Swift fan, but I am a big Taylor Swift fan and she's been re-recording a bunch of her old music and she just released her her version of the Red Album and All Too Well is one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs. It's a sad song and I, so I listen to it as like my comfort song whenever I'm sad and she just released a 10-minute version of it. So I have been replaying this album all day long. I'm going to say I'm in, I'm indifferent about Taylor Swift. I don't really like her or dislike her. She, I just, I don't know why, but I love her. I've gotten my younger sister Corley obsessed with her too. My stepmom and I have been to multiple Taylor Swift concerts. So I am going to go ahead and just label myself a fan. Well, that's good. I'm glad you own it, Ashton. Um, well, the big news here in my world is that it's snowing today. I'm not very jealous. Of course, it is a little bit colder here in Lubbock. Um, Definitely nowhere near probably the temperatures you're at, but I am not jealous of you today. Yeah, it's our first first, uh, snowfall of the year. So I guess it's due time we had that, but it's pretty chilly. It's a little unpleasant. (laughs) It's pretty windy today. So I'll be bundling up this weekend as I'm hitting the road. So yeah. Not not fun, but it is what it is. It's that time of year. Well, maybe you should listen to the new Taylor Swift album. And- yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> Suppose I better do that. I'll have to. I'll check it out this weekend when I'm driving to a speech I've got on Saturday, and I'll let you know my thoughts. Okay, I would definitely appreciate it. But other than the Taylor Swift news and the snowfall, we have some updates coming from China. I reported earlier this week that there was a snowstorm record snowfall, and that was kind of hurting some of the markets. And when I'm talking about markets, I mean the supermarket, Um, but it's looking like it could be affecting the global market as well, because corn prices in China have reached multi-month highs, despite advancing harvest just due to the wet weather that we've Seen, but also they credit snowfall to some of this, and it looks like they are slowing down with crop collection. And it's also coming at a time as record energy prices pushed up grain drying and logistics costs. So I think that there's a lot of moving parts over in China that are um, not really benefiting those Chinese corn producers. No, certainly not. And Ashton, I know you talked about earlier in the week about the bird flu or avian influenza is a more technical term. I'm I'm drawing a blank though. Did you report on the big cases coming out of Poland? I don't think Poland. There's been so many cases I feel like popping there has. up lately that I can't keep track. But I think the big one that I reported on was in Bulgaria earlier this week. Oh yes, you're right. That's right. Okay, I remember now. Well, it seems like there's a lot of other countries reporting cases because Big news came out of Poland when they reported earlier this week five outbreaks encompassing about 650,000 chickens and turkeys 
They're apparently the EU's largest poultry producer, which I didn't realize. So that case was reported or those couple of cases were reported earlier this week. Then we also saw Japan report its first outbreak of the season. And they mentioned that they had an outbreak in a facility of about 143,000 layers at a site confirmed with avian influenza. So they are certainly dealing with stopping the spread as well. It's very similar, actually. This is maybe a little bit funny, maybe not to some of you who's had to go through quarantine, but it's it's kind of similar to what people have to do during the COVID pandemic, which is, of course, to quarantine or isolate yourselves from others. They very much do that with birds as well during avian influenza. Well, I know that birds, of course, like to travel in flocks, so I bet they do get a little bit lonely, just like people do whenever they're self-isolating. But Delaney, I have some not so good news to follow that up with. Talking about the renewable fuel standard. Now, this piece of news actually was published yesterday. I assume it was after we had already recorded because I didn't see it until earlier this morning. But people were predicting that we might see a renewable fuel standard announcement come out today. I haven't seen one as of yet, but they did hear, or we did hear, I should say, from EPA Administrator Michael Reagan, and he said that the blending requirements won't favor oil or agriculture. So, of course, these comments led to more talk about an RFS announcement that may finally be coming, but we've been waiting on this for some time, and I've really Mm -hmm. been trying to keep my eyes peeled out after I read this article to see if anything was going to come up before we record here, but I haven't seen anything other than this, Delaney. I haven't either because, you know, we've really been sitting on this piece of news since basically September when a lot of folks were thinking that the Biden administration would cut biofuel blending obligations within the RFS, but today's quote unquote announcement or yesterday, I should say, is quote unquote announcement by Michael Reagan is suggesting that really neither side will be determined winners or losers. I do. There's a little bit of a cynic in me, Ashton, that finds it hard to believe that one side won't be favored more than the other side, because it feels like that's just how politics go. But maybe I'm just being a cynic here. I think that I'm being a cynic right there with you, because if I don't know. The the way that I think about it or the way that I'm trying to analyze this situation is if neither side is the winner, I don't see how it can just be shot down the middle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. Maybe we could lay it out a little differently. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I don't really quite understand how they're going to lay this thing out because I think either way, someone's going to be upset. I would agree with you there, Delaney, but don't have a whole lot of other news. Although I do have something that I thought was pretty interesting today because the Farmers Business Network, I feel like, is always working on some new things. And it said that it is doing some updates to the firm's FBN Health Program to enhance the product for its membership. So this will be available nationwide in all 50 states and has expanded to offer four different health plans for varying deductibles. And it now offers enrollment any time of the year for farmers, not just during open enrollment. And I did not know that FBN Health was a thing until I Mm -hmm. saw this. Um, But I think that it's interesting and I'm glad that that is um, available to farmers, but they have some updates in there. And I think that they're just trying to be there more for its members. 
Yeah, it's it's very interesting, all of the things they've been working on developing. And I think the healthcare has been around for a little while now. We've got people that have mixed feelings about FBN, some some good, some bad. So it is very interesting, the tools that they put forth. But Ashton, I want to finish up here with just one other piece of news came out yesterday after two days ago, I should say, actually, at this point. But that is dealing with agricultural laborers and guest workers. The Labor Department has approved 317,000 and some change seasonal guest workers during the fiscal year that ended on September 30th, up 15% from a year earlier. They said it was the highest number of jobs ever approved for H-2A guest worker visas. And this is coming, of course, a very critical time as we're continuing to see a lot of job short or not job shortage, employee shortage. And so the Labor Department uh, followed suit there and approved, you know, a record number of H-2A visas this year. Yeah, Delaney, you know, you said a shortage of jobs, but I feel like everybody's hiring right now. So I'm glad that you caught that little mishap. That was a mistake on my end. That would have been bad. That would have been a dumb, dumb moment. Well, Delaney, I am excited to see where the markets ended for today. I haven't really been watching them as closely this afternoon. So hopefully you've got us covered there. I certainly do. I've been watching them closely today and we really are continuing to see, especially, I mean, corn and soybeans both really were pushing higher today. We're continuing to push higher. Soybeans are making that trek back higher today and we're going to see where things closed for the day. We're going to chat with a new voice on the podcast on Monday to get his take on where the markets head from here. But in the meantime, the December corn contract closed up seven and three quarters cents, closing the day out at 577 and a quarter of the March, up seven cents, closing at 585. In the soybean pits, the excuse me, January contract up 22 and three quarters cents today, closing at 1244 and a quarter the November up 15 and a quarter cent closing at 1240 and a quarter. And I should mention that is, of course, November 22 futures there. In the wheat pits, Chicago December contract today up four and a half cents, closing at 817. The March up four and a quarter, closing the day at 828 and a half. As we hop over into the livestock markets today, Ashton. We are continuing to see some mixed trade in the cattle complex. December live cattle today added a quarter, closing at 132.12 and a half. The February down 30 cents, closing at 136.10. Feeder cattle today showing weakness as the January contract shed a dollar 35, closing at 157.72 and a half. The March down a dollar 27 and a half, closing the week out at 159.17 and a half. Finally, we saw a little positive movement today in the lean hog markets after selling off much of this week. December lean hogs up 50 cents today, closing at 75.87 and a half. The February up a dollar 47 and a half, closing at 80.55. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. The December contract today shedding 46 cents to close at 17.62. The January down 26 cents, closing at 18.22. Ashton, without further ado, fill us in on who we're chatting with for today's final Friday interview. Today, we are talking to JJ Jones about a new leadership program.
Today, we have on the executive director of the National Institute for Animal Agriculture, J.J. Jones. J.J., thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. Of course, Ashton. Thank you so much for inviting us. So we're here to talk about a program that is powered by NIAA. But first, I want to know a little bit more about you and what you do as your role as the executive director. Sure. So the National Institute for Animal Agriculture uh, really came together in its present form a little over 20 years ago, but we've actually been around um, since the early 1900s. And uh, both back uh, in the early 1900s and then even up to today, really our purpose is to bring together the depth and breadth of animal agriculture leaders from different species sectors or different sectors of the value chain to explore and discuss and learn and then collaborate around various topics that affect all of animal agriculture as part of our food system. And so we do that through a variety of programs and activities where we're bringing folks together. And like I said, we're exploring and learning and discussing uh, and then leading into collaboration together. So uh, that's what we spend our time uh, doing with our various uh, members and project partners. And one of the programs that you guys put on is the Advanced Training for Animal Agriculture Leaders Program. And that's why we have you on today is to talk about that specifically. So why don't you give us the 10,000 foot view on what this program really is? So this is a program that we are uh, launching in 2022. It's a a result of our board's 2020 strategic planning uh, process where we were looking at our existing programs, but also into future program needs. And one of the things that the board of directors for the National Institute for Animal Agriculture identified is that while there are many leadership and professional development organizations that are very species or sector specific, there is not a, a leadership program that brings the depth and breadth of animal agriculture leaders together, especially those who are early in their careers, to look at how do we collaboratively learn and identify solutions for some of the topics and issues that may be facing animal agriculture uh, in the coming years or, or decades. And so we spent most of 2021 uh, working with various members and partners to really identify where are there uh, needs for additional training or capacity building? And how do we make sure and build a program uh, that meets the intent of what our board of directors uh, charged us to do, if you will, through their strategic planning process? And so that's why we just recently announced that we are uh, selecting the first cohort of 20 leaders from animal agriculture to come together for the advanced training for animal agriculture leaders that, like I said, will begin in 2022 and, and will carry out as part of a 16-month program. So 16 months is quite a while. So what are the expectations here? What are some things that potential applicants can see from this program and, you know, kind of what you guys might do with this curriculum? I know I just threw kind of a, a <laughs> block of questions out to you, but what can we kind of pick out from that? Sure. So, so the idea is that this is a program that it might, you might call leadership development 2.0 or 3.0, depending on how you want to look at it. And what I mean by that is we're really looking at who are those leaders within animal agriculture that have already excelled within their uh, career path or within their volunteer uh, organizations like uh, trade associations or other leadership uh, and personal development programs. 
And, and this then takes it to the next level. And, and we do that through a couple of different ways. One way is, again, just bringing the depth and breadth of animal agriculture together. So, for example, I grew up um, in a, a strong cattle operation background. So I have gone through various leadership programs that uh, are very specific to the beef industry. Um, but I also um, have a consumer-facing background in, in terms of working with organizations that have consumer-facing brands. So I have that capacity, but I don't have a lot of knowledge about maybe some other species sectors or other sectors of the value chain like processing or research and development, especially in the innovation and technology space, et cetera. And so the idea would be that you're bringing folks together from different uh, sectors of the value chain so they can learn from one another and, and collaboratively. The second reason we would say this is a, a leadership development program 2.0 is it's really looking at four main capacities to build for those who are part of the cohort. First of all, critical thinking. So again, thinking about how can you take your experiences from a certain sector and explore other sectors or explore other ideas and concepts with your fellow cohort members that come from different sectors. It's also about leadership development. A lot of us receive technical training in our university or college experience. We receive leadership development through our sector-specific programs. But again, as we start to to bridge that gap amongst all of animal agriculture leaders, leadership development goes to the next level. We also want to explore connecting and relating skill development. So thinking about how can we learn from others across different sector lines and apply that to some of the issues or challenges that we're facing in our own professional or personal development continuum. And then the idea is to operationalize what we've learned. And so the, the capstone, if you will, of the experience is taking an issue that is important to you and your sector of animal agriculture in today's food system and applying everything that you learn throughout that 16-month time frame and presenting a capstone case study type project. So it's not only something that you can benefit from as an individual, but your organization or others who are part of the cohort and part of the National Institute for Animal Agriculture can benefit from as well. And so the cool thing about having a, a cohort with 20 leaders from across animal agriculture is we'll have 20 different capstone projects where people have operationalized what they've learned throughout their experience and are sharing that with the animal agriculture sector of our food system. So applications aren't due until January 14th of 2022, which Seems like a little ways away, but I mean, we're dead smack in the middle of November right now. So not too far away, just about two months. So with that being said, I want to know some more about the qualifications and who's really eligible to be a part of this program. All of the qualifications and other information about the program are on our website, animalagriculture.org. But what folks will see on there is that we, we do desire candidates who have already demonstrated a leadership capacity within their ag industry um, or sector of the ag industry and are committed to advancing animal agriculture's role in today's food system. So we, we're looking for that track record of leadership, whether it's at the local, regional, or national and organizational level, and also within their place of employment. And as you mentioned, the idea is that um, applications are due January 14th, but that gives folks uh, a time to uh, apply, but then we'll turn around and notify those who have been selected for this first cohort. And we're looking for, um, you know, 
the most diverse cohort that we possibly can in terms of geographic location, background, species of interest, sector of the food system interest, et cetera. So JJ, as you kind of mentioned there, we are able to get a little bit more information about the program on the website, but why don't we throw that out just once more? And if folks want to get into contact with you to get a little bit more information or anything like that, how can they do that as well? Perfect. So as you mentioned, animalagriculture.org is our website where folks can find more information. And if they click on the uh, programs and events tab at the top of the the navigation page, they will see the leadership program with all of the the curriculum outline, the the deadlines or timelines uh, for this first cohort, as well as other information. They can also email us at leadership at animalagriculture.org. Dr. Emily Linning, who is facilitating this program for us, uh, will be the one answering those emails and at the other end of that email address. So again, that's leadership at animalagriculture.org if folks have additional questions or also if they would like to make sure and nominate someone who would be a a great cohort member for this inaugural uh, cohort for the Advanced Leadership Training for Animal Agriculture Leaders. Awesome. Well, JJ, I'm very excited to see what this inaugural cohort really brings to the table. And I just want to wish you and all those at NIAA luck along this journey. Well, thank you so much. We are looking forward to it as well, because we do believe this will uh, continue to move animal agriculture forward into the future as it's such an important part of our food system. Thanks to JJ for coming on and telling us about that new opportunity with NIAA. They are doing that cohort for the first time in 2022. So folks, if you're interested, definitely look out for that. But Delaney, like you said, we're going to have a new voice on the podcast for Market Monday this coming Monday. So folks, tune back into the podcast then. And you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, of course. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe while you're there. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let him go.